Hello, you're listening to the new Nationwide Project, which discusses and explores the 21st century popular culture. Presented by myself, Shireen Donnelly Scott, Julia Toppin, and Rita Gale. Uh, my name is Julia Toppin, and I am here with Rita Gale and Shireen Donnelly Scott. And as you know, we talk about all things a popular culture. So we've talked about Bridgerton, we have talked about small acts, we have very controversially talked about diversity in the television and film industry and I'm very pleased with some of the reactions that I think our show is engendering out there in popular culture. But today we have decided to talk about one of the most important British dramas I think of the last few years, definitely a water cooler moment for everybody. We're going to be talking about The Crown. Mm. So. I'm going to throw it over. So let's just do some opening kind of impressions. What did you what did you think about The Crown Return? You know, I have to say um, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, um, I think watching it, the whole series, you just realise how how important they are to British society and how how central they are to British culture. So I was quite struck by, because I watched all the series, obviously we've all done that, but I pretty much knew there was only a couple of like storylines in there that I was like, oh, that's, I didn't know that. But pretty much everything I knew about, and I was thinking, I'm not that into the royal family. I didn't really, I mean, I don't study them. I don't read about them in the press. I don't follow any of them on social media, but yet I knew all of these stories pretty much. And that tells me there's something so intrinsic about the royal family and their position within our society and, and within our lives. Mm. Donnelly? Um, I mean, I have to say the kind of opposite. I didn't realise, I didn't know that much about the royal family. There were so many things in that show. I was like, what? What? That's crazy. So I had a lot of revelations watching the show. Um, I just, and I, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting to see the way in which, because I think for me at least, I, I saw them as being somewhat like a kind of secretive thing, you know, that they're just kind of like shrouded in myth and mystery. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I knew, you know, certain controversies around like the family and like Nazis or, you know, the history with uh, Prince Philip. But I, yeah, I still found so many of those kind of revelations. And I was particularly taken by their interrelationships, the way that they interact with people. Obviously, this is, you know, fictionalized, but it was still, it was just so shocking to see the way that they interacted of being so detached and so dependent on their status and, and titles. I thought that was just really odd for a family, like really, really odd. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that, that's really interesting, the, the dependency on the status, because actually that is a theme that runs all the way through the series, isn't it? You know, we have to uphold this image you know, the British public looks up to us, you know, we're a representation of, you know, what it means to be British when really, you know, they're, they're a representation of, for me, well, they're a representation of empire. But then as I started to watch it, I kind of felt like really 
you know, there was a critique being made about, I almost felt like Elizabeth from the beginning gets the fact that the empire is crumbling and that the grip is being lost, but you can see all the things that go around trying to maintain this fallacy that Britain is still great. Do you know what I mean? Even, even the foolishness that they've just done with the railways, where they're trying to privatise the railways and they're calling it Great British Railways. There's never been anything great about any train that arrived in this country, right? <laughs> it's that whole fallacy of Great Britain, the Great British Empire. It's not, it's not been great for a really long time. And I, I think for me, although it's a fascinating study of family, and I feel like there were things in there that I didn't know. I knew the big things. I knew Edward mm. Simpson and I knew, um, you know, the Diana stuff because I lived through that stuff, you know. Um, but there were and there were little touches like I know we're going to talk about Aberfan. I, 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 I only knew about that mm -hmm. funnily enough mm -hmm. because it's in, um, it's in a GCSE paper. It was in one of the new early GCSEs. Wow, OK. I've known of it before that. And then so seeing the, the, the programme and thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's Aberfan. I remember reading that extract in the um, English language exam thinking, God, this is awful. When did this happen? You know, um, so, yes, yeah, so that was interesting. So for me, the crumbling of empire and and kind of them wanting to put this family on top of this crumbling mountain to try and hold it all together. Yeah, but it's I like think. a metaphor for Britain, isn't it, though? you know oh, it's that real. kind of like how do for we real. it's this kind of this kind of facade you know there's lots of facades so it's like if you just kind of create these um fictions and and you know and it's a great fiction about the royal family i mean it's it's only in the last what 100 years that they've kind of been a british family do you know what i mean in all but name do you know what i mean so it's like you know taking away after the first world war you know taking away all of those kind of you know european connections and making them kind of the the red white and blue kind of royal family so that people understand that they're British, they're really British, but actually in sort of anglicising all of the titles and stuff like that, that came from all the other royal families around continental Europe. And, 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 and also as well, the kind of the way in which kind of, even though it's like they're, they're kind of a figurehead, but of course, they're not just the figurehead, you know, it's that kind of like that detachment, but there's not a detachment because they're very instrumental in how Britain kind of portrays the brand UK to the world. Mm. And, and particularly for those of us who are products of the empire, um, this is really important because the royal family have played an absolutely pivotal role in the narratives of empire and that culture of empire. And, you know, you know one of the things I guess that's really important for us right at this moment, this ongoing Wimrush scandal, right? But this feeds back into the whole empirical story and this kind of thing of, you know, we're coming here to kind of we're coming to the mother country. Well, who was the mother that these Wimrush generation people were from the Caribbean and elsewhere? Well, who were they coming? Who is the mother? Well, the mother is a queen, right? Mm -hmm. right? The mother is literally Queen Elizabeth II. And look what happened when they came here. And even now, they're literally the home office, her government right and literally waiting for these people to die and like waiting them out rather than give them a couple of shackles and then a proper apology right this is this is this is what the empire is is actually doing in practice you know I and mean, we saw the queen in in kenya right that's when she was ascended to the throne but look at the history of kenya and the history of the british in kenya it's a very 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 nasty history 
you know, but it's all romanticized. She's, you know, there watching the giraffes and, you know, the lions in the in the wilderness. But no one talks about the Mau Mau and what happened. We're only just finding out. And we don't, And a lot of those records were destroyed. So it's like the, the royal family are not benign. And I think what the Crown does is is demonstrate they're not benign. This is not a benign force within our British society. It was never a benign force. All the things related to empire were often done in the name of the Queen or the King. And, and they've been beneficiaries of it. Yeah, they're the yeah. most expensive employees that we have. Yeah. For real, for real. But just on two points on that, um, Rita. I mean, I just think it's useful when you said that, you know, you know, you equated her with being the mother, right, of the mother country. I think that's really interesting because her coronation is in the early 50s, right? And so we are thinking about this moment of what we now call Windrush, right? So it is, you know, this these two things are connected. So I think that was really interesting that you said that. Um but also, yeah, I just wanted to just also say that, you know, I was also really shocked about how integral they are in our political system. You know, I believed, you know, in this kind of constitutional monarchy that they kind of were supposed to be kind of outside of politics and they're just there for like pomp and ceremonial. But, you know, you see how tied they are, how connected they are to politics if it's not just having regular briefings with the prime minister it's you know also kind of the way that they use to um you know to to kind of get in good stead with other foreign leaders and it was it's just all very complicated and i think that you know having obviously gone through that moment was it like about two years ago now when we had the whole proroguing of parliament and i remember there was just a lot of like things where people were saying like, oh, the Queen's going to like save us from, you know, ourselves. And I remember just thinking that that's kind of conflicting with the very nature of the royal family. But, you know, but I think that the show does make you think that actually they they do do something. And what is it that we think they do? You know, like what is what is it that we think that they are, they, they're supposed to be doing? I think that that was something that I was like, whoa, probably one of the reasons why I was like, I really want them out because I really don't want them that tied toward whatever democracy um, we have. I definitely don't want them that uh, that closely tied. But yeah, I thought that was a really, really big thing in, in the show, the way they're so connected. Mm. Like think about her relationships with the prime ministers right like sometimes mm. she just likes them sometimes she doesn't like them the way that she's with them it's like but also that experience though isn't it it's the experience she, you know she you know she ascended to the throne when churchill was prime minister and now we're put <laughs> we're in the premiership of boris johnson that's a lot that's a lot of experience right mm -hmm. of, of mm -hmm. our political leaders that's a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i was thinking that there's a moment isn't there when um it's not Churchill, it's uh, the one that he's, the one that goes to America and has the operation and he comes out, oh God, I wish I could, is it Wilson? I'm not oh, sure. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, I know has, what you mean. You know, he has the operation and I think Churchill's already gone and he resigns, right? And she says some line about how she's on her seventh prime minister, <laughs> right? And, and that she's outlasted them all. And you just think, like, that was then. Like, what number is she on now? Like, it must be really strange to me. Oh my God, here we go. It was What's Anthony Eden, wasn't it? Anthony yes, Eden. Yes, that's right. It was Anthony Eden. Thank you. Yeah. 
and um and it was like yeah what, what number is she on now and you just wonder what goes through her head when that when they bring in and not especially the last few years because it's been like a revolving door isn't it? yeah so, well she knows isn't it? as soon as they walk okay. in okay she could probably gamble right he's gonna last two years three years yeah uh, two yes. <laughs> yeah they probably do have a little bet don't they when they're playing like ibble dibble or something like that they have a, a little... oh, we've got to come to that that was just so that was crazy yeah so, yeah, and I think the, the politics, that that strong link that they come and they brief her, and even though they're not supposed to interfere, they, there's no way that there isn't influence there, is there? There isn't that there isn't advice being given or, you know, even that, that people are kind of, that the politicians will be kind of regulating themselves in some way. There's just no way that it's just this completely benign, like you said, um force if you're meeting some if that person has to come and report to you every week every mm -hmm. single week she's his, she's their line manager that's how you, that's a one -to -one <laughs> right she's their line manager they're doing their one-to-one -one. oh you know i've done this and i've done that and this is happening and that's bubbling up and and so there's no way that there's no influence there and whatever answer they give it, it gives an answer doesn't it yeah. She, she, you know, you get to, you know, if you're seeing someone on a regular basis, like, a, you know, someone you work with, it's like you get to know their idiosyncrasies. Mm. So it's like whatever they're saying, you can start to deduce, okay, and obviously what's ever going on in the media, right, because everything gets leaked nowadays. So you could put two and two together and come up with the four or five things that, that weren't said in the room, mm. right? So she has a great deal of knowledge, great deal of knowledge about the power of this society and also we're a very centralized society i think a lot of people maybe are only getting to sense to see that with um you know with the whole kind of coronavirus that britain is an incredibly centralized democracy mm. everything runs through london pretty much mm. so mm -hmm. she's right at the seat of power right at the seat of power and 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 if you have power of course in some way you exercise that or mm. have the capacity to right Hmm. No, but in having power, if you can't flex every once in a while. Well, least. I mean, I think that, you know, I agree with what you're saying in terms of her power, but I mean, I don't, at least with the show, you don't necessarily see her influence per se on them. Maybe that's just the show, or maybe that, you know, obviously, this is obviously fictionalized, but, you know, they report to her and sometimes you can see them being um, very resistant to her advice. She's, 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 she's very like playful with her language or the way that her tone with them, but she's never really someone that's like given, I mean, in orders, right? Mm -hmm. Giving them a kind of direction. Um, and I think that that was, I thought was kind of interesting because especially when it comes to Thatcher, obviously, you know, it's probably the, at least in the show, the moment when she takes a very political stance, right? She goes against Thatcher in, you know, several instances. Um, and that's when you see her, like, utilise her power. You know, when she goes to the media to talk about the riff that's happening mm. between them, you know, and then she also does the whole thing with the sanctions with South Africa, right? Where she's doing this way of being underhanded, right? I thought, and that's the, probably the first time in the show that you see her really exploit her power 
Mm. And, and it's coincidental that she does it for a woman. I was just about to say that. I thought actually it was quite interesting. And um, and though, you know, I worship at the awe of Gillian uh, Anderson anyway, I thought that her performance was mm. brilliant. And one of the favourite bits in there, I, think, I can't remember, what, whatever that she does, she does, she does, I think she sacks off her cabinet because they don't agree with her. And then she goes in to have this, have, has this meeting and, and then the Queen says, you know, you know, aren't you, aren't you scared of like making enemies? And then she recites this poem called No Enemies. And I love that poem now. I've, I've got it on my desktop. It's like, it's perfect because it's basically saying, you know, if you're not going to be brave and you're not going to go against other people, you know, and you're never going to have any enemies, then I think it ends with you've been a coward in the fight, you know, and I think, you know, obviously Margaret Thatcher did, was a wicked woman that did a lot of wicked, wicked things and did not care um, about, you know, the, the people in general, you know, the working people, working class people, people from the Commonwealth, whoever, right? She did not care. She was quite happy. She was just like trying to balance. It's almost like she was trying to balance a spreadsheet and it didn't matter how much benefits she cut or how much milk she took away. She just wasn't bothered at all about the results of that. So I don't admire her in that way. I only admire the fact that she was that person that, you know, that couldn't be turned, that whole the lady's not for turning thing. And I think that um, Gillian Anderson's performance very much brought that to the surface, you, that character that she was. But there, but there's no admiration there, have to get that in. <laughs> no, but I think, but what she did do is, I think what they did very well, because I thought what was interesting about how, because often Margaret Thatcher, I think now in retrospect, is it's almost, she's almost become a ca caricature, the real yeah. person, do you know what I mean? And I think what Gillian Anderson did so well, and actually the series did so well, they kind of brought back the person. Yeah. That this was a person, you know, d d don't deify her. It was just a person, right? Grocer's daughter, you know? And that kind of whole relationship with her father absolutely kind of influenced the kind of the way she went about um, her business and her politics. And actually it was that background that she had of having, to, you know, that kind of, that kind of those values that her father instilled in her that absolutely motivated her in the way she went about her business once she became prime minister is actually instrumental. She's very much aware of her class. This is something that was very kind of lingering there in, in the real factor as well as like kind of was dramatized. And, and that made her very combative with, and you know, it, it happens in any workplace, you know, that Britain is a very class based society, you know, and, the, and, and at the end of the day, those, those kind of men, men of power, those men of, of uh, titles, they eventually got her out because she'd done the work that they needed her to do, right? They needed exactly. someone like her to do, you know, the, the dirty work, right? Because they wanted to do these changes, but they, but they could never have done them themselves. So they got in someone like her who's willing to do those things. But once she'd done that job, she was out. So we don't need you anymore. And she was meant to step aside, but she was like, hey, I can keep going. Do you know what I mean? She wanted to keep going. It's like, but I haven't finished the job. It's like, no, you finished the job they needed you to do. You know? Mm. So how does that not remind you of like Theresa May? Sorry. I was just <laughs> thinking. <laughs> you know, just kind of like giving her the dirty work. I'm obviously not trying to like, you know, make her out to be anything, but you know, that, you know, she gets, you know, head of the Tory party. She gets the dirty work of Brexit. She does fairly decent negotiation works and then they're like, yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. we need another male head to 
you know, bring us to whatever ends. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting that you just said that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, no. she did. She did do all the dirty work and she took all the hits from the press, right? And then um, I can't even say that man's name anymore. I'm sorry, I refuse to give it credence, right? Then the other one, Fool Boy drops in, right? Mm. Says he's going to do different, does exactly what she, all the, all the hard work she'd already done. Exactly. Change it one bit. The back, Remember it was the backstop, the backstop, the backstop this, the backstop that. And then he comes in and says, oh, I'm going to, I'll sort that out. And what did he do? He didn't do nothing. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That the deal was a deal. Yeah. And it's exactly the same where they just bring you in when they're in crisis, make you, rock your back, make you do the donkey work. And then right, I oh, know. You know, back back to the men, and you know, and and again, that happens to black women all the time yeah. when they get some kind of leadership position, the department or the section or whatever. It's always in crisis, and they've got to be working all these hours to bring this thing around. And then when you just get just just when you were thinking, okay, I could maybe I can relax next year, something something something, and they're out, and and the boys back in, and you know, you're replaced. Yeah, the boys are back in town and you're gone, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, and you're gone. You've done the work now, right? So, um, yeah, so that was very interesting that, you know, there's, you know, there's the racism and there's the patriarchy as well. Yeah, 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 I think that's really important. And I guess because we have, a, you know, a woman um, head of state in the Queen, because, you know, we're not probably not going to have another Queen for a very, very long time, right? <sighs> very very long time and it's interesting you know her her namesake you know queen elizabeth and i think this is what's really important that you know it's queen elizabeth that kind of you know began this narrative of empire right mm-hmm. in britain as we know it as we understand it and it and it's only fitting that this this current queen her namesake queen elizabeth we're really going to be here at the end of empire although they're trying damn hard to kind of revitalize it but the world has changed do you know what i mean the so, world has changed. It's just changed. And Britain is, despite Brexit, despite all the ways they, they're trying to change things. It was like I was watching the news the other day and they had a report where they've got this great idea to revitalize the UK high street. And okay. what they're going to do, they're going to basically, you know, make it like it was in the past, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what's the matter with these people? Yeah. Okay, and I said to someone as a joke, I said, if they bring back Woolworths, right, bring back Woolworths, someone must own the, the, the rights to that name. But it's that kind of like... Oh my gosh, that was my first job, you know. There you go. Listen, Woolworths, <laughs> Woolworths was a good store, you know, but you know, it's like, but it's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's like the solution to the high street is making it look like the 1950s again. It's like the 1950s were not great Wait, for a lot of people. Really Definitely did. not for us. Let's be honest, uh, particularly dangerous when you were black. Um, but it's like, this wasn't great. This is the reason why we left the 50s behind. It's like, you're going to yeah. go back. This is going to be the savior of the high street, going back to the 1950s high street. But that's the savior for all the things they want, right? They want to go back to the good old days. Good old days. When, you know, when everybody knew their place, the women knew their place, the darkies knew their place, the gays were in hiding. Right, because they were scared of being criminalized or whatever. Yeah. Um, you didn't even hear the word trans back then, and the disabled um, were locked away, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. oh my god, yeah. that episode, but we're going to talk about that. In oh, a while. yeah, oh, wow, like whew, that was that, deep. 
Because was... it's almost like that episode came out of nowhere, didn't it? You kind of yeah. want to try. And I think because it was Margaret as well, because Margaret's kind of, I mean, Helena Bonham Carter is just, just she's she just, killed it. she just killed it, Ryan. She just like, Margaret was always a messy, like real life character, but she just, Helena Bonham Carter kind of brought that messiness in a kind of really kind of funny, beautiful way. It's like, she didn't play it as a tragic character, you know, there was a real kind of like, she, it could have been an over the top, but I felt like she really had a, a really measured performance. It's like she, again, brought certain humanity to this mm, character very rich and it was very right that she was the one to kind of like find them find them yeah, yeah. and when it started off because it starts off doesn't it that episode where they're in the home and you're like what's this about and i kept thinking oh did they visit there is this some kind of charity that's what i was thinking okay one of the royal family gonna go there and I, 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 that was one of the stories I kind of wasn't sure about. I did didn't not remember that. that. I knew there was that trait in the family, but there was a story of another relative, a prince. Maybe he was the father. I knew about his story because that's been dramatized already. Um, but I didn't know about these two, um, these two cousins. I didn't know about them, and I, that actually really, that really troubled me. You know, yeah, I have to say. it was really, it was. It was so sad. And there was more than two of them, remember? It was a whole of them, wasn't it? There was, there was, you know, and and Margaret's kind of disgust and her, you know, it really came out in that performance how distressed she was. And the mum was just like, well, you know, we needed to needed to make sure that any everyone thought that, you know, that we're okay and that there isn't any of that in our in our bloodline. And you just think, well, so it's all fake, really, isn't it? Everything is farce, right? The marriages are all a farce, right? None of them not happy. Philip, trailer load of whatever, wherever he went on his, all his, his, his journey. Jo the jolly, 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 isn't it? Yeah, Charles having his woman literally 10 minutes down the road with no shame, mm -hmm. right? You know, who was happy? Who was happy in, in that in that family? Who could say, oh yeah, oh that couple, they did all right. You know, even Anne in the end, she wasn't happy. No, it just it just felt like the whole thing is like a a, a facade. And then finding out about um about those relatives that they'd sort of packed away in the home and, and how they loved the royal family and they had all the little teacups and the china and the Jubilee stuff and whatever they had. Um it just kind of almost seals the deal on the fact that the whole thing is a farce yeah I, I think for me that whole there's something really painful about it because I just think you know, that was your, that's your family <laughs> you know what I mean it's like there was no need for it to have gone on for so long you know I know these things happen you know you can say we're back in the day blah 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 but it's like but but you kept up the pretense that that's for me it wasn't that what happened years ago, those things happened. But it's like they maintained it. And you just think, but this is just such a, it's a cruel thing to do, you know? It was a cruel thing to happen, but to perpetuate it. This is your family. And it was like, and Margaret was never meant to find them really. Do you know what I mean? It was like, this was not meant to happen. And it was like, and even when it did happen, I don't know where the way the story was told. It's like, it was like, okay, well, she found out, but it's like, okay, well, so now we know. Okay, let's get back to the palace and kind of get ready to go out or whatever it is that we're doing. It, like, it didn't, it 
didn't change anything. Do you know what I mean? It didn't. It didn't. Didn't instill. You know, like in like a you know like in a a dramatized story with like characters, something like that, where you kind of meet a relative and some some trauma from the family. It's meant to be like what they call a turning point in the narrative, yeah. right? That changes the characters. It was like okay, it happened. Let's go back. You like it didn't change anything. It didn't change them. That's what I found so shocking. You know, it was like. This is meant to change you. You're meant to like do things differently. And I guess, you know, I know we'll talk about it more, but I guess this is what Harry is kind of alluding to in all of the conversations, the revelations that he's talking about. It's like, I'm breaking away from that where we just don't deal with the trauma. We're gonna, I'm, I'm dealing with the trauma, mm. you know? And that's what I found so shocking. Not that happened, but that it didn't, it didn't change them. Because like, if you can't do that for your own family, then what? Then what would what would what would enable you to do that? And it's it, it just showed the real kind of how dysfunctional this family is, really, really quite dysfunctional. But but actually a metaphor for the wider British society. Mm. You are listening to the New Nationwide Project. You are listening to the New Nationwide Project. I think, I mean, again, this is maybe talking about the, uh, the Queen's portrayal in The the mm. Crown, but I think one of the things I find really interesting about her, her portrayal in the show is that she's incredibly um, loyal to, you know, this tradition and to the Crown, and she will, you know, she's, you know, very much invested in, you know, maintaining what the crown is meant to do in ways that I think is just because she's a woman, like it's limited by her gender. I think that she has to portray this mm -hmm. as a woman. She has to, she has to uh, embody tradition in a different way that I think a king can. And I think a king, just like her husband, can be progressive. And like we said, of the potential of Charles doing things that we don't see as being within mm. the crown. I think that they are able to be however they want as kings and use to utilize that power the way that they want but I think there's something about her being female that has that she's bound to a sense of like tradition in a way that I don't think men are bound to a sense of tradition mm. so that's one of the things mm. I would say like I just you know even at the thing when you know it is you know you know Philip that says to her you should televise your coronation you know where she's like I'm gonna stick to tradition and there's several other episodes I can't think of right now but there's a couple of other moments where you know, tradition always rules for her. Like, if someone says this is a tradition, then she goes with the tradition. Um, and I think that if, it, you know, I think that with a male figure, I think they are able to or know when or just don't care because they just think it's their gift, God-given gift, to be able to bend the rules whenever they want. But I think that she's very much bound to a sense of tradition. Um, yeah, and I think that show, in terms of, like, the lack of character arc, I think is because she's very much bound to trying to maintain tradition as opposed to doing what she potentially wants or what she thinks is, you know, she's very mm. resistant to change because she doesn't want to rot the boat. And I think also because she sees herself as being a woman and not wanting to, she, she very much, I mean, at least the show depicts her as very much not wanting to, she wants there to be a crown after her, right? Mm. She wants there to be something after her, and she's very much trying to maintain. She doesn't something. want to be the last monarch. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of people in the country that would like that I to happen, like right? Mm. Me, me too. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but but I, no, you know, Donnelly, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, you know one of the things is re reminding ourselves, are like, she's 95 this year, right? 95, mm -hmm. she was born in 1926, same year as Margaret Thatcher, the same age, which I thought was always interesting. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, we see, I'm just thinking about it as you said that, actually in The Crown, all the female characters that do attempt to kind of change, to be, to diverge, or, I mean, they get, they, get they suffer, mm. they suffer, they really suffer, all of them. Mm. They get chopped in the end, right? And it's like, which again, I guess, speaks to what the Queen's, you know, I'm still standing. I'm the longest serving monarch, but this is why, because, you know, you know, in a way, she's kind of proven her her kind of analogy correct. Because all the women, all the female characters that don't do that, who are a little bit off key, even Anne, you know, her marriage breaks up and she's not popular in the media. Yeah, people have an affection for her, but it's a kind of, it's an uncomfortable affection with Anne. I forgot about her until this show, gotta be honest. That's what I'm saying. It's like, people kind of like her. And she's kind of been quite good, you know, she's been on Question of Sport and obviously being an Olympian and mm. the kind of people have got to know her a little bit more and she's very hardworking, she's always out doing stuff and she was on the TV not long ago. So there's a more of appreciation for her, but it's like, she's had to she's had to work hard for people's affections. Do you know and what I mean? It didn't, it didn't come naturally. I think that's because she's not what they would call traditionally pretty, pretty, pretty like Diana, because they do play on that tension in there, don't they? That Anne's a little bit jealous of Diana. Um, but I, li I, liked, I liked the portrayal of Anne. They made her quite feisty and quite independent. Clearly, you know, they portrayed her as Philip's favourite. And I also really liked that episode when um, Philip and Elizabeth are, they're talking about their children, right? So that's when that comes up. Her favourites. Yeah, yeah, you know that comes up because oh, of Margaret Thatcher, yes. right? When Margaret's, when Mark goes missing. I, that I forgot right. about. Yeah. Yeah. When he goes off rally driving and he gets lost in like in the desert. desert. Or I actually forgot about that. And she basically says, you know, my favourite son, I'm going to lose my favourite son and all that. You know, my favourite child, like really like, you see Margaret like really like, oh my but gosh, if I lose Mark basically, you know, all, all is lost. And the Queen's just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a bit like, and like being a bit outraged actually she's a bit like she's quite snobbish in the way she kind of says oh that's a bit much to kind of like demonstrate your your say, favorite child she's quite kind of a little bit offended by it and then i loved his response right he just went excuse me do you know what i mean it's yeah. like hello all parents do this and she's genuinely when he says it the first time well certainly the way olivia coleman's so brilliant in it she's genuinely like I don't have to do that. And I thought that was really interesting that it was it was a sense that she's completely unaware of it. Do you know what I mean? Or claims to be anyway. Yeah. That she's not aware. But then I think it says something about, and I think it goes back to what you've both been saying about that this queen, like she really wants to embody. I think it's maybe one of those things, it's like a plus and a minus her being called Elizabeth, because I think she's rocking a lot of that Elizabeth the first kind of like, I'm gonna embody the queen, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the queen, like the real monarch, like I'm almost like like beyond kind of human, you know, it's like I'm I'm I've ascended. And mm -hmm. so I'm there as a figurehead for the people, but I'm never of the people. 
And I think in that sense, there's things that she does that are quite obvious to us watching it, but that are completely unobvious to her, you know. So when he says, you have a favourite, and he like, he said, and she's like, but who? And he says, I'm going to let you work it out. And then we hear yeah. the helicopter coming down, like, onto the lawn, literally, like, busting out the windows. It's like, uh, that would be Andrew then, which is just <laughs> like... Because you can never yeah. imagine Charles pulling a stunt like that. It'd be unthinkable. But it just goes to show. But then it says so much. Yeah, All the stuff about Andrew. The messy, messy, like, messy. Really which, for real. For real. Because it's, Cause, cause it's like, the, he, he should have gone by now, right? Let's let's yeah. be real now. Let's be real. He, he, he just shouldn't be around. I mean, the stuff is... This is like lawyer moments. So I'll choose my words very carefully. Mm-hmm. Um. He just shouldn't be in the picture. This is serious stuff, right? This is serious stuff. For real, especially with that that scene when you know, obviously, she's talking to Andrew and he's telling her about the the erotic film, and you're just like, oh my gosh, exactly, right? And he's like, it's just like, oh my gosh, we already, you know, like it was just like too close to present. Like we're like, okay, he's always been, you know problematic weird the signs of all really it's been well. no, he yeah and he's andrew's careless remember they used to call him randy yeah. andy that was his that was his like tagline that's when the media used to call him randy andy yeah <laughs> and it's just I like that. Yeah. That. yeah i thought that was a really good scene i thought that was such a good scene to put in i was just like beyond belief and it's like who start doing this film and I, everyone in like watching it's thinking this sounds kind of like uh, a bit racy. The, the rating would be quite interesting. You know, it's like this is the kind of film that you're not going to see uh, at the multiplex, right? This is a different kind of cinema film, right? And he's like, his mom's like, she's shocked. She's mm-hmm. actually shocked. But it's like, but, but a part of us like laughing as well. Yeah, like, she's, enabled, she's enabled him. Yeah. It goes back to this whole thing about like titles, right? Like, and, and who's who's like higher up and ranking. But that just also reminded me, returning back to that scene where the Queen is like sitting with Andrew um, and they're having lunch. And, you know, he says to her, one of the things he says to her, he's like, oh, well, when I get married, what title are you going to give me? You know, and it's just like this whole thing's like, what titles are you going to bestow to me? And I think he asked for a particular title. I can't remember. But I remember him asking for like a title. She's like, is there someone that you're looking, you're dating? And he's like, no, I just want to know what titles I'm going to have. Um, and I think that also kind of just, you know, you also see that in the present. Like, wasn't that one of the biggest arguments around uh, Prince Philip's funeral, right? About him wanting to wear his, his um, badges, his um, yeah. army um, medals for the sure. funeral. Yeah. It's just like he's just so consumed with that sense of status. But on that as well, another scene that I thought was really interesting and, and feeds into this conversation about status is with Diana. You know, when she comes in, um, they're all standing around like a foyer and they're in a circle and Diana uh, enters and then she has to bow in an order to certain mm-hmm. members and she gets it all horribly wrong but I was just like this is just ridiculous you know because you know you have to go to like and then there's like I think she bows to someone who's like you're not they're not worthy of a bow and you come to me before you go to him and it's just like so how is she supposed to know this madness that madness was but it was like when Margaret was at the thing remember when she went out 
obviously she didn't have her shoes and the queen's like you know you can go back and get changed knowing right if she goes back to the lodge she ain't coming back out you know what i mean yeah so she goes back and then she's working because she's the prime minister and there's like a lot of crises going on so she needs to be working and then margaret bursts in saying you can't sit there that's the queen's chair and she's thinking oh my gosh i'm in uh, queen elizabeth's chair she went, <laughs> she went no queen victoria's chair and you're thinking i love that queen victoria's it's like, yeah. wait, that was that, just mad. That was a good episode, that Balmoral mm-hmm. episode. And that kind of that silly game that they're playing. And the fact that, um, the... yeah, Ibble, Dibble, Dobble, whatever. And the fact yes. that she got it right. And the way she does, she's like, Ibble, Dibble, Dobble. <laughs> she was proper slowly doing that thing, yeah. Dibble, Dibble, Dobble. And they're all like, she's ruined it because obviously she gets it right. So she doesn't have to have the paint on her forehead or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. That was funny, but just so crazy, though, wasn't it? It was yeah. like, you know, that they're so in their own world, right? Yeah. Because, like, you know, that's just like, look, the country's in turmoil. Like, I ain't got time to take off work. And <laughs> exactly. in, that, in that moment when um, Margaret tells her to, to get off the chair, she says to her something like, you know, there are other priorities and you need to take some time off. It's a bank holiday. And it's like, hello. <laughs> I know. That was just surreal. It's like a holiday. I just, I just wonder, you know, this whole series. I mean, when you're watching it, especially with everything, because it's like, it's hard, you can't disconnect from like the real people, especially now, because it's just when you just, just when you think it's going calm again with the royal family, there's some other crisis, right? There's some other drama. And so this whole thing about them being as, you know, the, the, the strong and stable, you know, there's like an even keel. It's just not happening anymore. It's just not cutting it that the queen's staying stoic. And, you know, and, and we saw that in the funeral, right? Like for Prince Philip, it's like, it was kind of sad actually because she was just there, this little old woman by herself. Obviously, with was a that single picture of her by herself in black. Yeah, that was like, gosh, that was kind of. I, I have to say, it did kind of make me think. It's like, gosh, you're you're going back to you're going back. You're they're all going to drive away, and you're going to be alone here in this castle. You know, it was just very much felt that. Um, but it's like that. Your 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 stillness, your stoicism. Mm. it's not doing the it's not working in that way it's not it's not working mm. kind of keeping that calm that's not it's not not doing that thing so it's like there's still chaos mm. this whole thing is still unraveling and i think the fact that prince william came out and spoke yes we have to look at that why did he he could have done it as a printed press release he wanted to make a video there was there was a point to that and it was posted on social media so that the people could see it so yes it was very much calculated but I think he wouldn't have been able to do that before. And I think it's the, it's that kind of like recognize a recognition that the people love Harry. You know, if, you, if you're going to do a poll between who, who's, oh, winning the, who's winning, who's winning the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the court of public, Harry, Harry's winning this one. He's absolutely winning this one. No doubt about it. No, I was just going to say, okay, so with the Harry, so there's so many things I want to like mention, but on the uh, on the William thing, I just, yes, Harry is definitely winning and being outside of the royal family and, you know, being unrelentlessly vocal about everything and everything. Um, one of the things I do think interesting, like I said, with him, uh, with William stepping out and doing this press coverage, it is clearly calculated, but also I heard that him and Kate have uh 
YouTube channel and now they're going to yeah. do some foolishness because they want a social media <laughs> presence, which is absolutely hilarious. The royal family's in turmoil. Britain is, is going through, you know, cultural, economic turmoil with this, you know, the after effects. You know, it's like, can we envision, can we really envision a kind of post-colonial, post empire britain in you know is it this moment that we could potentially start to reimagine these things like get rid of the royal family because like you said the queen is getting old you know who wants a king like it's it's regressive in my opinion it's regressive i think it's you know there are interesting debates to be had i think that i the pessimist no i'm not a pessimist i'm a critical realist i have to remember that (laughs) the critical realist in me says that, you know, the current far right, um, you know, completely binary rhetoric that we're getting right now, those people would literally lose their minds at the idea of of a republic. And I, I just I just don't think that they would allow it to happen um, in any way, shape or form, because, you know, I think that would be the dawn of a post colonial world. You know, if we were to get rid of the monarchy, that would there definitely be a catalyst, a spark to start thinking about this fact that we, you know, we just put this, 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 this white family on a pedestal, right, um, and giving them millions and millions of pounds that they live in good house and fly all around the world, and be figureheads of empire. Cause that's what they are, right? They're figureheads of the empire, right? And so if we get rid of the figureheads of the empire then they're saying that they're ready to get rid of the empire. They're ready to let go of the empire. And I'm sorry, but um, they're just not ready. They're not ready to do that. But on that then, do you think, because I mean, it's like at this moment, it's kind of like empire or European, sorry, UK union, right? It's like empire or the British union, because at the moment, Scotland, Northern Ireland, you know, it's just going to be little England and Wales. Oh yeah, but they're like still going to so like... try and run Africa, China, India. I mean, China's run them already and said, "Listen, mate, them days gone, right?" Um, you know, you know Caribbean um, is you know many Caribbean countries, states are already thinking about getting rid of her, removing her. There's you know been lots of talks. You know, there's talk. talk, but it still hasn't happened, talk. right? I mean, yeah, you know, I guess this is the mystery, I, I, isn't I, yeah, it? It's a mystery. I, I mean, for me. I don't know. I, I kind of think, yeah, you're right. This is a time, but the, the the kind of movement of traffic is, you know, this is the one institution that that's definitely going to be staying. It's like it's beyond even. I, I, I think in a weird way, it's beyond question. It, it's, it's kind of beyond question at the moment. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that, because actually what Harry's saying is absolutely fascinating. But then I remember he's in California, not London. Right. He was saying all of that when he was over there, was he? He's in California when he's saying he needed to be there, right? Like he couldn't. This is my point, isn't it? And also because, like, you know, I mean, he absolutely needed to be. I don't think. I mean, yes, he would have had various other platforms, but he has. I mean, having said that, one of the brilliant things about the whole Harry thing, right, is that he has not just his his mixed race wife, but like this this documentary TV show that he's producing is with Oprah, right? Like. This black woman is like so important to this kind of talk circulation of mm. 
you know, yeah. what's going on. I think he's brilliant. But yeah, I mean, he, he definitely had to get out of there. He's got, you know, American contacts and he's doing, you know, things like he's got that media job. Is it right? Is it a media That's job? Right. I mean, it is interesting. It is interesting that Oprah connection because he could have connected with so many people. But that yeah. would be... Yeah, I find that very interesting, and it's a very, it's a very strong, it's a very powerful statement. Mm-hmm. But I'm quite certain that he just wouldn't have been so strong with it if he was still here in Blighty, you know. And that, and that for me is like, it speaks to that Britain's not ready yet for this. Yeah, but doesn't it mean something that he's trending right now on? Twitter, while you know this is happening, while we're recording, like he's trending on Twitter for his con- his comments yes. yesterday. You know, we have it the is, show. But like, William Brown, William put because, William put out the video, right? Yeah. If you listen was, to the, if you watch the television, the UK television, it's William's video that's being shown, right, right. on British TV. Harry's statement extracts, but it's almost as if well, Harry would say that, wouldn't he? That's how they're. That's how they're saying it's. Like, oh my right, gosh, he's okay. really strong here. So I've seen and yeah, and Harry said something strong, but yeah, Harry's. Yeah, yeah, Harry's like that anyway. That's yeah. how, like, that's yeah. what I'm, because I listen to BBC News, listen to um, Sky News, like the British press, like ITV, right. and that's that's the that's the that's the tone that the British media are taking. Well, maybe that's, that's also my position, because where I obviously where I'm mm. situated, I'm not seeing that, and so I've seen Harry all on my news in the US. I'm seeing him on, you know, what's what's my TV channel? Um, it's ABC. Mm-hmm. I see him, you know, him doing interviews. I'm hearing about the Oprah project. But have they played? So which they play Harry's kind of more, don't they, over there? Yeah, yeah, I'm Where's seeing all Harry. I'm seeing all Harry. I'm seeing William from my reading of UK media. Yeah, yeah, um, it's all about the, the US ain't the US ain't really interested about William, but from what I'm reading about, you know, UK media, I'm seeing the Harry stuff. Um, sorry, I'm seeing the William stuff. Um, but yeah, but then they yeah, also so cover Harry as well. So I'm seeing Harry come into this conversation, but I'm not seeing obviously the television. I think the television is potentially also key. Um, in that, yeah, it's, it's all about the. This is what I thought was interesting that he made the video, and I think the video was made. Because so we could preempt it, right? So we they show the William statement in full, right? I mean right. it's short, but they show it in full, and then they read an extract from what Harry says. You know what I mean? But it's what yeah. about what William says is important. Harry's okay. statement is definitely not as important as in the way that the UK press, both print and television, are portraying it. But also, crucially, if you listen to William's statement, one of the crucial things he says in it is that he wants that this 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 apology to be the turning point so that Diana's story, the story that we're seeing as portrayed in things like The Crown, he's basically saying that they're, they're fiction and that actually we need to write that. So like this is a point that we need to now start rewriting what Diana's story is. This is the point. That's, right? that's what I was. You know what? That's story. exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say that I see this whole thing as a way of the the royal family trying to utilize Diana. Yes, because Harry's exactly. got the narrative right. Harry's exactly, got the story. exactly because yes, because you know, especially because that's why I said this thing about the the crown in crisis at a time when Britain, understanding Britain is at crisis because Harry, you know, the 
both the crown and Harry come at this time where it's just like, for me, especially like, cause, you know, not having this familiar, like it's brought so much back into the public consciousness, right? We're very forgetful people. And it's brought all of this stuff back into mm-hmm. the consciousness since this season four with Diana, which seems to be like the, the biggest mm. season for the crown, you she, know, so they, many, docu- this whole thing about, you know, the, the Martin Bashir um, interviews come back. Everybody wants to watch, everyone wants to know all of this stuff. I've been reading articles about Diana's fashion again, mm-hmm. you know, the, the famous sweaters that she, like she is like so, has so much coverage again, her story's been retold. And I think that, you know, it, again, it's gam- damage control that, like, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, the queen is old. Um, you know, Charles is going to, and I think that, you know, there was a lot of pushback when Charles married Camilla, but that's died down. It, they're all a happy family. Mm. And so all of this brings back all of this reminder when he comes king, this controversy, right? And I think that all of this, and then Harry bringing his controversy and also the race into it too. I think yeah. that this, the royal family is in a very empty way, but trying to very much control the narrative, mm. but doing it through also Diana, because I think that's, I think yeah. yeah well this is the thing isn't it that Di- it is Diana who is the one that's being utilized to rewrite for the for, she's the, the 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 vessel in which the, the 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 royal family get to rewrite or retell the story in their mm-hmm. own way right mm-hmm. that it should be her and right. I think also they're using the sons right the sons are symbolic of her too and the fact that they're they are metrically opposed right now right with William being the obedient one that's kind of in service of the family and Harry being the radical, which potentially seeing her her being re kind of like, you know, her history and her past kind of being reimagined and retold right through Harry and Meghan's departure, right? Like it's all mm. kind of like bring it unearthed again. And so, yeah, I do think that you see that, especially like I think at the, uh, the, the funeral, there was this whole thing about pitting them together, right? And Will they be able to sit, stand next to each other at the they funeral? They were fine. They were talking just fine, <laughs> chatting. Because they're brothers. They're going to talk. Oh, it's fine. Like, you know what? It, but but also, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a really important point about this kind of. They are both like the embodiment of Diana. So everyone wants a, a piece of Diana's spirit, right? These two are actually literally the living embodiment of Diana, right? But it's like the British media are telling us that the, the messaging is very powerful, very clear. It's William's version we need to be listening to. Mm. That's the one you need to follow. I mean, cool what Harry said. Yeah, but William's is the official version. Mm. That, and that 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 message is very, very... That video has been played, was played so many times on the national... It was played every single, every single like half news cycle, like every half an hour. It's been played in full. That's messaging. I'm so pleased I'm not here to see that. But. That's messaging, right? <laughs> they want Smash. everyone to hear it and to say, this is the narrative. This is the narrative on Diana. So we need to rewrite it. So basically also sending a message to programmers like The Crown. Yeah, yeah. what you're doing is cool and it's fun and it's entertaining, but it's it's a work of fiction and we've got the proof now. Yeah, I think it's very interesting that you know that they've said that they're going to concentrate more on Diana in this next season of The Crown, which they're talking about being the last. Oh no, next two, two. Oh, they're doing two. Okay, yeah. So they're going to have this Diana focus, and it's almost like the royal family are trying to get ahead of the narrative of what happens next, because obviously that Bashir interview that has to come up. In yeah, well, they're going to read. Come on, they're going to they're going to like yeah. you know they're going to they're going to reenact that. 
And so they're going, right, well, we're, we're going to frame it so that she wasn't really telling the truth or she was manipulated. She was you know, manipulated. They're, yeah. They're putting that. that yeah, Martin Bashir manipulated her. Yeah. So what she, you know what I mean? And it's so like. What she says doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. I don't anything. think they'll fall for that. I mean, the, I think the crowd. Oh, I, I don't trust, know. Probably which I trust the crowd to do a line. very brilliant job. No, I think they will fall for that. They no, do. But it. you're right. They're trying to get ahead. set up for it. Remember, we, so we had the whole press messaging. Remember, it's print yeah. and TV, relentless, uh, statement in full. This is this is the truth. Brainwashing is there. And he's her son, and he's the heir to the throne. So yeah. how, why would you not believe him? Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like. So it's it's like, a very powerful. I mean, you you see what I'm saying? This this is really powerful messaging. Whereas Harry, Harry's in California with his exotic wife. This is how it plays out. He's got mental health issues. This is like an episode in The Crown, right? You can see how this is being spun, right? He's a, he's unstable, right? Mm. They don't say it out loud because that would be unfortunate. They're very careful about how the people know better now, right? Mm. But there's an inf inference about Harry that he's a little bit of a, a loose cannon. He's a loose cannon. That's how the, the media are. That's the media messaging. So whatever he says, you have to look at it through that prism. And that message is getting through because I can see it. It's pretty loud. I think, I mean, I think that I, I, I'm not trying to dispute you. And I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think that the, the, the fact that the coverage over there is like overwhelming of William, I think is telling. But what I do think that you, I mean, at least, okay, I do get that my position is a different kind of focus of, of, yeah, of narrative. Mm. But I do think that what is interesting about it, I mean, so bringing it back to the crown and also to Harry, one of the things when we were talking earlier about the episode where we find out about the uh, family members who were put in to uh, hospital because of their own mental or learning disabilities, mm. um, you know, really tied in with, I think, the what the Harry's doing, right, in recognising mental health and talking about his own mental health while he was in the royal family. And I, I think that you, you're right, that they're trying to spin him as this kind of loose cannon, odd one, you know, at least what I've read as well, like, you know, desperate for celebrity, he's all keen mm. on that. But I do think what he does tap into, or what he is speaking to, is to a generation of people right now who are very, very keen on, you know, these kind of, conversations of kind of like decoloniality you know mm. in the trendy centers like you know mental health speaking about mental health speaking about mm. you know uh you know reckoning with you know diversity and gender and sexuality and bringing these things to the forefront and not hiding them in yeah. you know pleasant conversation and i think he's tapping into that generation who are willing and open to speak about this and don't want to live in that existence so i think that's what's quite interesting about this the way in which they pick the two the two brothers because um i do think harry is speaking to a younger generation yeah. and and who do not have the same affiliation to the royal family or, or, or care or desire for the royal family i think yeah they don't have that same connection yeah and i think that that's what is ultimately interesting and troubling at the same time because i think that you know i don't know i'm, I'm down for the revolution no i agree i'm, I'm, I think I'm down for point. it but I, I think that's probably a good point to end right <laughs> <laughs>